0: Welcome back to Who the Hell's This For? A sometimes monthly podcast where we talk about movies, genre, creators, directors, all kinds of different things that you can find within kind of the genre film landscape. Today, things are a little bit different. Jeff and I have Josh Rubin on today, Hmm. uh, director of A Wounded Fawn. No, not director of Wounded Fawn, starring in Wounded Fawn. I wish. Blood Rail (laughs) it is. Yeah. Um, director of Werewolves Within and director and writer of Scare Me and hopefully the director of the upcoming uh, Dark Man reboot or sequel. <laughs> we have a couple of questions I to wish. get some more info on that. And then Josh also very familiar, um, might be most familiar with people if they've seen any dropout clips on TikTok recently. We frequently share some make some noise clips um, in our group. And definitely have some questions about working with Brennan and Zach uh, and what that oh, is yeah. like. It's just two of the most Sam incredible. Well. Yeah. yeah, and Sam. It, just an incredible group of improvisers. And before we get into the interview, once again, we want to shout out for everybody. You can donate. Uh, we'll post the links in the episode description to Transformations KC, a local organization benefiting trans youth. Specifically, they're centering trans youth, uh, trans women of color and helping trans youth who do not have survival systems in place, helping them get access to more supports. So it's been really cool to see them expand. And if you have any extra cash, we'd be happy to see you throw it their way. Um, if with- you yeah. do,
1: if you do, by the way, that helps by a topic of your choice for the podcast. That is true. So do- double bottom line giving, if you, uh, Pass on Yeah, to send us the receipt. Casey. You get to
0: choose a topic that we will talk about on the episode and make sure that you are donating to Transformations KC because there is also Transform KC, which we shouted out for a while on our <laughs> episodes and is actually um, about public transit and trains in the Kansas City <laughs> area,
1: which we also support, but we would maybe have you throw money at one. versus One of the those
0: other. might be a little more <laughs> topical than others, but Josh, welcome to the
2: show, man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That's that's just so cool. It's not often you see uh, a fellow Caucasian male um helping an <laughs> underrepresented um, minority. So, and that's uh, that's a big you. thing that we tried to do. Um,
0: being our other um, host, Riley, three white guys in uh, a landscape of many white guys making podcasts, <laughs> and it's so so much better as a little of a platform as we have to. Promote supporting any marginalized groups that
2: we can. Yeah. Well, you know, it's also what I realized, especially during Me Too, you know, because that was like a big, I want to say inspiration. But that was a a big, big piece of why and how I wrote Scare Me was, you know, super just kind of um, worked up about that, um, that whole movement. And um, all of the women in my circle who are coming forward with their own sort of stories being taken advantage of and otherwise. Is, um, you know, it's easy. It's easy to signal boost um, underrepresented or abused um, people. It's not it's not hard to do. And um, what's wild is, especially what I learned, you know, way back then is uh, there weren't a lot of dudes who were kind of willing to use their platform, regardless of the size for women in their circle. So for us to do it for, you know, trans youth, especially like one of my heroes, Tatiana Maslany, who's an actress who I am um, I'm hoping to, to work with on a, an upcoming film project. You know, she's majorly outspoken and just like getting up as far up into the world as, you know, Marvel with she Hulk and everything. She's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wear a um, protect trans lives or protect trans kids. Shirt. It's like, you can't, you can't stop me. Um, and you, you know, you, uh, it's the least we can do. Like, again, it's easy. Exactly. So, anyway, I, I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And we, that, that whole, the whole kind of idea and that sense of frustration that is present and scare me. I cannot wait to talk about, um, <laughs> but do let's, so you right now you have a wounded fawn, which just came out, which you are the lead actor in. And then, uh, Blood Relatives also just came out, two Shutter originals, um, and you were production with a small kind of cameo uh, supporting role in
2: Blood Relatives. That's right, yeah. Um, Honestly, so... when
1: we when we get to that, Josh, one of my favorite pieces of that film was the the scene that you got a cameo in. I thought that was super fun.
2: Oh, thank you. It was super fun to do.
0: Let's so, talk a
1: little bit about yeah, let's talk a little bit yes, about yeah. Uh, I wanna
0: I want to get into wounded fawn because I, I just watched it a couple nights ago and blew me away. I loved loved it. Um, so for anyone who's not familiar on Shutter right now, also quick 90 minute watch. Really, really I would say it time wise, it's a quick watch, but you're gonna want to sit with it more. So give yourself some time when you're gonna watch it. Uh, but we are following bruce uh a serial killer and then a um i forget the name of the character uh, but the lead actress sarah lind yeah um, meredith yeah meredith that's right um so she was one she was phenomenal but so uh bruce and meredith uh bruce we were first introduced at an art auction with uh a sculpture of the Erinys or the Furies for sale, um, which becomes kind of obviously a recurring theme. Uh, that's also how we're introduced uh, with Meredith when she is at a art gallery that we eventually find out was buying that same or had uh, checked for authenticity. Uh, that that sculpture had passed hands, and they had an exhibit and had the painting of the Furies, um, and that becomes uh, Meredith is somebody getting out of an abusive relationship. Uh, and then happens to fall right into the arms of a serial killer. And they do a cabin weekend that uh, turns into a kind of just like Greek tragedy hellscape as things start <laughs> to spiral. Um, Ooh, yeah. It is very the second half. The second act is very it's very artistic. It's avant garde. It's surreal. Um, and I that's the kind of stuff that I really love in horror. So tell me a little bit about a um from from the lead actor standpoint, what is it like to get to work in something that really is so surreal and not not as like through and through front to back traditional narrative? Not as linear.
1: Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's fun as hell. I mean, it's kind of and it's the at least for me, it's like my dream, my dream kind of project. Like I, I'm very much, uh, I almost said like I'm very much an artist. I don't necessarily want to push push it that far, but I like. Um, I like making money, let's say in commercials or doing like commercial projects so that I can do less commercial things. So mm-hmm. I can do more artful projects. That's, I think why, you know, the, the kind of the, the rhythm of the world. Yeah. Um, one for, for them, one for artists. me. Exactly. Exactly. And this was, this was a one for, I, I'd say kind of a one for all of us, you know, it was a, it was a, a sizable budget, um, but still low budget, still very much an independent film. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's, it's my dream kind of role, you know, just in terms of like the challenge of it all. Um, and I, I'd, I'd wanted to, um, I'd wanted to work with Travis Stevens for some time. So just to, to get that, to get that, like that Twitter DM that was just like, are you still performing? Um, and would you, would you be down to, to do this it was just massive for me because, you know, I, um, I, 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 I've always dreamed of you know, having something of a career of like, you know, way back when it was like a Philip Seymour Hoffman or, you know, or an Ethan Hawke, you know, they mm-hmm. kind of do all kinds of different stuff, straddle different genres. And then, you know, later you kind of realize who people like Lee Wienel is um, or are, and that like, wow, that, that is real hero status to be able to like make genre films, but then mm-hmm. like act in stuff and write for people. Um, so this was, this was just an amazing opportunity and I, 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 you know, I couldn't say, couldn't say no to it. And, you know, reading it, just kind of knowing that, and especially looking at Travis's like brilliant director deck. He was going to do it, a lot of it in camera, a lot of practical effects it was really gonna be kind of Ramey esque in that regard. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We, we kind of knew what we were getting into. And so just as a filmmaker, as an artist, as an actor, it just was like kind of undeniable. And also he's, he's a great writer and Nathan Fowler, the co-writer, it's a brilliant premise. Um, but Travis really brought this like art world texture to it. And it just, yeah, uh, I, yeah it was, it became kind of irresistible. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, and it, it was, and it was, it was thrilling to just like, I don't know, swing and like, you know, do shit in a, in a collaborative um, environment, as opposed to like doing something on, you know, an Apple plus show, which would be probably yeah. a very, very different experience, which I'm sure. I'm sure I'd love to do someday. Cause I'd love to own property. Um, but, uh, <laughs> this was not a known property job, uh, by any means, but, um, but it was one that I, I think is going to have a long life to it, it, it For says sure, quite a bit,
0: uh, Absolutely. something that I really like, I was texting Jeff and our co-host Riley while I was watching it. Um, a lot of movies really aim for the seventies aesthetic, like looking like a throwback film to the seventies. And I thought this one nailed it more than most. Oh yeah. Um, Truly. Like the, ev- the look of everything, um, the film grain, uh, like it all just felt very, it it felt like a throwback to the original Evil Dead, like felt yeah. very structurally yeah. similar um, and getting to, it was really cool, totally shifting because um, speaking of Evil Dead, like obviously Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. is the first thing you think of with Evil Dead and there was a really great physicality to your performances, Bruce here. Um, that mm. I wanted to highlight and t- oh, tell you. us a little bit about like really getting into that role because you know he's a very reprehensible dude Um, but the physicality yeah. you brought to it the shift between like the mask he has on and then when he kind of lets go of all that very very um subtle but distinct like facial stuff going on mm-hmm. um, so tell us
2: a little bit about that I love that you guys are familiar with my comedy stuff because I, 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 um, there's only so much I can kind of contextualize my excitement about doing something like this. Just, you know, being known as a, as a comic and some of my favorite comedians ended up working in genre, you know, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the epitome of them. Um, it was yes. as well. Um, you know, getting a start as a, a genius comedian and doing, you know, drama and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so for me, the 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 North Star goal was to not get caught trying to be funny or trying to be goofy, even when things kind of ramped up the child. The acting challenge was, um, can I play uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, can I play sexy? Can I play grounded enough, to, you know, in, in that kind of, I guess, erotic way or seductive mm-hmm. way? um this the 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 means with which this guy would lure a victim which which is with seduction which is you know knowing that like he's uh he's got cheekbones and he's going to use them you know what i mean yeah yeah, like, yeah i i is like a comedian who's you know always played like you know precious plums mama um or right. you know, like Gable <laughs> Weber, for those who like really want to get obscure with college humor roles and stuff. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it's, it's very rare. I get the opportunity, even though I started, um, you know, uh, doing acting classes in Stroudsburg and all that stuff. It's, uh, you know, I, getting into comedy, you don't really get to exercise that part of sure. that part of you, uh, that part of myself. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just like, how grounded can I make this character and how, how seductive can I play? What's it like if Josh the comedian plays seductive um, and plays kind of grounded to that degree. And so that was the great acting challenge. And it was, and it, was it was awesome and it made only easier by like, you know, someone like Sarah Lynn to yeah. really reacting to you. Like, you know, I get to, I get to play bully and I get to play intimidator and she, she plays intimidated so well. And then like, you know, the spectrum of it is that is then you get to, you get to play the bullied and the intimidated and the, um the 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 terrorized um version of that character too and then and that that just becomes the the more fun almost comedically analogous um uh side of it yeah, yeah i love that then
1: it's that flip is incredible right i mean not only thematically in the in the movie there's a flip but a flip in your performance where you do get to switch roles and you are um like the, the frenzy you know what i mean like being chased and and we were talking about evil dead a little bit as well like there's raimi dna all throughout this right yeah, sure. in, in the chase and everything like that so uh, yeah. I, I thought that was incredible can you say like when you were preparing for something like this because you had mentioned before you know most people are probably most familiar with your comedic work mm-hmm. even something like you know werewolves within or scare me like there's gravitas to your performance in scare me but there is also comedy as well and this was a much more you know straight linear dramatic role at least in terms of how you were approaching it did you feel like when you were preparing for it that you had to do something like really different or kind of reach to a different spot or what was that like
2: didn't feel like i had to reach you know because i i've conversation because i um or when when i've gotten into this discussion uh recently just on my little media blitz here promoting these because um you know it uh it has to do with almost all the same the same tools like like as a as a comic or as as an observationist i guess um comedian of sorts it's exciting for me because it's almost no different than me going on TikTok and doing a you know like man interrupts woman coworker on Zoom. <laughs> it's sure. it's it, I'm still I'm still raking over the coals like a narcissistic, self-aggrandizing psycho, um, and I I've been I've been doing that for you know for quite some time. Um, just you know with different. With different characters or in different circumstances so this was like wow i get to i get to go after these kind of shitty dudes um mm-hmm. who peacock to um to be uh, to seduce women um and so it was it was just a, it just became kind of exciting to me in that regard it's like wow i get to it's no different than what i had done previously i get to skewer these types um but uh but you know here um He's fucking murdering women um and and uh, and and ultimately is uh you know has to pay is it the proper term to pay penance for it? I mean it's just yes. somebody got to pay for it,
0: you know and i I really that that paying penance piece I really loved I took a lot um really took a lot of uh have you seen the house that Jack built um by von Trier?
2: I haven't, but I keep seeing the image of that little boy. So it's like probably about time. <laughs> it's probably yeah. Yeah.
0: But so it is not to not to get too much into it, it. It very much kind of charts the same trajectory, but on a deeper level, I think there's a lot of kind of spiritual DNA shared between mm. a wounded fawn and um, and the house that Jack built. However, House that Jack built pulls more from um like Italian mythos, uh, mythology, religion, um, yeah. Virgil, Dante, things like that. Wow. Um it's very, very good. Um, it's it's a bit of a harder watch, but I mean you you are in the genre. You, you might work be under in the genre.
1: You might be underselling that a little bit, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. I and I, I always forget how to, you know, how to couch these things. Uh, for the uh, rest of our audience, very hard watch. For people who are in the genre and familiar with this stuff and I mean i know probably, who
2: Von Trier is. To Give you a gauge like of how I mean it was hard enough for me to watch like Willem Defoe like punch a crow hundred times in Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah uh, so i i uh yeah like depending on how awful it is you know easier
0: uh, watch than antichrist
2: oh no shit okay yeah. well then I, yeah. like i'll probably never watch human centipede or saw or sorry no. not, love saw or hostile you know like yeah, um, yeah. if i if, if I, I think that's appropriate okay i'll then maybe it's worth kind of suffering through Sounds
0: good. Saw for me is a lot like martyrs. It's the like, it's not the whole like shock value. There's actually a very strong narrative happening there. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's that's rule. what you lose with some of those, like, we're going for gasps type horror movies. Yes. Um, they they lose the really like human narrative of that whole piece. Um, and something that uh Wounded Fawn and uh Scare Me as well both do really well are centering kind of the human element of everything that's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that is the, you know, Meredith being made to reckon with this horrible situation she's ended up in. Um, and then Bruce having to, you know, pay penance, basically walk through everything that he's put others through. And then in scare me, the whole between um, Fred and F- Fanny, I believe. Mm-hmm. yeah, Yes. Uh, between Fred and Fanny. Um I couldn't remember if Fanny or Addie was the first name or last name, um, but between Fred and <laughs> Fanny, also that same, like there's such a hum- a breakdown of the human element of these things of you have on the surface, Fanny, who uh, so successful, so well off, but as mm-hmm. she says in the end, you know, she put in the work, she did the work and Fred yeah. refusing to do that in a breakdown of both of their kind of mindsets on, how they get to the things they want because Fred as you said is just a shitty white guy who just wants (laughs) to hand it to him um and he's miserable as a result of that not working out and just refusing to put in the work and jealous of somebody who he's seen sit there and do the work um so with um with the human element there so a lot of the stuff with werewolves within scare me, wounded fawn, um, isolation comes up a lot in kind of the things that you're attached to. Sure. is there is there like a through line do you what do you like about working kind of in isolation um for well, your settings?
2: I mean wh- by nature of uh production, it's inexpensive uh, it's far less expensive. So just from a producing standpoint, that's what I like about it. I had no choice, but to work in isolation Mm -hmm. with scare me, um, scare me ended up, you know, I shot it well before COVID, um, but it ended up kind of feeling like a COVID movie. It's like, wow, we're stuck because of this phenomenon. Um, uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, pass the time? So it kind of ended up sort of feeling like that werewolves within just happened to be a winter movie, you know, with essentially the game of werewolf inside this, um, Inside this uh, this this inn, uh, so I like it for that reason. Um, I like um, I like making it interesting and creating a you know having turning the location into a character. When sure. the location is a character, that's that's super interesting for me. I I you know made sure with my sound designers on werewolves as an example to really do our best to make um, the Beaverfield Inn feel like a feel like a textured place um so that's super important and just i don't know for, for the genre you can see a lot of first-time filmmakers or a lot of people who get their start i mean all the way back to you know Raimi. i mean even further yeah. back to that james whale contained is good contained is uh is is a kind of a blank slate um and a, and a really a fun a fun way to um introduce your uh your threat supernatural or otherwise. Mm. To, to your audience um but there was nothing thematically or anything i was necessarily going after it was it was all like production and happenstance <laughs> yeah you know, same thing for wounded fawn it was like um certainly not expensive to put a few people in a cabin and it's yeah. just like you know it the test is can the filmmaker make the contained not just another threat in a house movie a yes. threat another threat in a house movie you know natalie erica james nailed it with relic um, travel, yeah, oh my god yes fun i mean like the, I, I, could, I could go on and on i mean there, there's mm-hmm. there are so many so many great examples um and it's exciting to see especially as i'm getting into producing you know what these what these filmmakers are doing and how they're how they're doing that how they're making the contained film interesting um that's it's the sign of a of a really deft filmmaker um Absolutely. When you can, uh, you can see that so
0: you know talking about Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ty. So, I was going to say, um, speaking of containment and bottle episodes, things like that, mm-hmm. um, I immediately think of Ryan Johnson and the fly episode of Breaking Bad. Oh, um, my God. That's so good. But speaking of, you know, Ryan Johnson, frequent collaborator of Noah Segan. Uh, so, yeah. we haven't talked about blood relatives at all yet. Yeah,
1: let's do that. So, I was going to say, in, in comparison to you know the the other three films that we've talked about in Werewolves Within, Scare Me, and Wounded Fawn, where it is a contained, it's sort of a single location, sort of mm-hmm. thought. You know, it seemed to me that um, Blood Relatives really was was fairly expansive, right? There's lots of different places where it's happening. Yeah, um, they're in hotel rooms, they're in all these different blocking locations. Yeah. um and you were a producer on blood relatives so what was kind of your experience from that angle i mean obviously the the incredible acting part is roger as well but what was it kind of to take that hat i know you've done a little bit of producing before but what was it kind of to mm-hmm. get a hat and work with noah from that aspect
2: it was awesome i mean you know he basically saw scare me and he's like how can i do the triple threat thing how can we make it work um and nice. you kind know, of you, kinda, you kinda look at, uh, you look at this script and you go like, my God, you know, there he's, th- there's 10 locations. How are you going to make this well sub $1 million budget work? And, you know, part of that is getting great partners, you um, utilizing as many locations as you possibly mm-hmm. as, as possible or as few locations as possible as multiple locations. So inevitably you're going to want to get you know, like in Taylor, Texas, we had these awesome, this awesome sort of industrial space that yeah. served as a hotel room location and Sylvie's house, um, and uh, some car stuff. That we had a separate stage for that. You, it, it's basically just like you know stretching the dollar as far as you can. But my my role as a producer, you know, when I came aboard, I basically I told Noah. There are many different kinds of producers, as you know. Um, I am not a paperwork producer. I'm a creative producer. I'll hook you up yeah. with actors. I hooked him up with Victoria Morales, who I worked with. Oh,
1: nice. On that was Band your find. Wow.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'd worked with her and thought, you know, like, let's let's go with a um, with a Latina actress. Let's go with, um, you know, someone who I just worked with who's got a nice following. Like, we were just trying to think of all the means to just make it the best movie we possibly could. And, um, uh, and, also you know when noah's on screen my my role was essentially to um from behind the camera sort of direct him um and direct his performance and if i ever had a note for another actor you know i'd make sure because it's a nightmare when notes come from multiple voices that (laughs) i would tell noah my thought i wouldn't go above his head or anything gross like that um and um and say, Hey, I think, you know, this might be a great move for Doug Benson, or maybe we should tell Vic to do this or that or the other thing. And, um, you know, same thing for the cinematographer. How, how can we make this shot more interesting? Um, uh, it, it Basically you want to do everything you can possibly do to make the, to, to make the movie a success. That's, um, that's the, you know, that's my role.
1: Well, you answered one of my most pressing questions, which was, I was kind of curious as the producer because it can be such an umbrella thing kind mm-hmm. of what you had had gone with there. That's so cool to hear. Victoria had an incredible performance as Jane. Oh yeah. I I thought she nailed it. I I don't think I've really seen her in in much else. Um and so that was my yeah. first introduction to to what she brings and um I thought she knocked it out of the park. I thought the chemistry between her and Noah was incredible, right? Quite like amazing, it's,
2: yeah. Um
1: I thought they both did a such a good job and it was it's a fun film for I, I realized we didn't do a synopsis so to do a quick one, but Uh, essentially Noah Segan is playing uh, Francis who is um, a vampire who has been alive for I think almost 100 years um, and Mm -hmm. has a a Yiddish background and that plays a a huge role in his character as well and then finds out he has essentially a daughter that's uh, you know half human half vampire and um, sort of the the film is is baked around their relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I thought was so fun about it um was like you've you've seen this story before right of you know the the strange daughter and the father trying to rebuild but you've never seen it in this package and so I thought there was some really fun stuff that they were able to do in this film um and uh I I just I really think it's a triumph I think it's um it was it was really one of my favorites from 2022 Um, it came out in the very end, you know what I mean? So it it just made the cutoff for the best of list, but, um, I really, I I loved it. Um, and just what they were able to do with, um, with the story and so little. So, um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, um, your role as Roger, (laughs)
2: um,
1: a scene, a scene stealing performance for sure um that seemed like something where you were um like really able to fit in a lot of sort of opposition to your performance in wounded fawn which is so grounded and serious to do a little bit more of the the faces that we know of josh rubin and the voices and things like that <laughs> yes um right. did you did noah pitch that bit to you or kind of how did that that small role fit in
2: uh, well, that was that part was um, was obviously in the in the script. And it took me a minute to to put together stupidly that it was like so obviously an homage <laughs> to Renfield. His name is Roger. Mm-hmm. My God, the movie filled with those. Um, those <laughs> but anyway, um yeah, he was like, you know, maybe, maybe you could play Roger. And I was sort of, you know, I was like, yeah, I was trying to play it as diplomatically as possible. Maybe we can get someone bigger. And you know, I, I don't know. And then like, in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, no, come on. This is going to be so fun. I get to I get to like, show this crew. I'm not just the you know, the guy, you know, trying to get everyone to wrap the day up on time or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm also like, you know, Mr. Funny Pants. And that's what felt. That was what was really fun about about the role just in general is like, you know, what this crew stretched so hard um, to make this movie work and to make this, this, you know, the sub $1 million movie feel like a, you know, 2 million plus million dollar movie. Um, and, uh, and so when I, when I had the opportunity to just like, like roll up the sleeves and do the comedy thing, that felt really, really good. Cause it was like, I, I felt like I got to, I got to perform for people and got to make even, like, Noah, like, Noah got to take a break, you know, he got to Mm -hmm. just just direct that day, it was, it felt like a really good day, so yes, he did pitch it to me, and I was crossing my fingers that it, you know, wasn't going to go to some other, um, far more talented actor, (laughs) Nicholas Holt, yeah, that it would go (laughs) to Holt, um, why is that an action movie guys why is that- i, I do not know, know. Uh, but anyway i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk nothing um but anyway uh yeah so i uh, I'm, I'm i'm glad it worked out now nicholas and i are gonna be competitive <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> two very different interpretations of that type very, of character very different. um yeah. so Talking a little bit more about some of your past work, Werewolves Within, Scare Me, um, and kind of just your work in general. Um, We've talked a lot about college humor. Um, Jeff and I, we talked about it um, kind of before recording, but growing up rural Kansas, it did not have a lot of exposure to, um, you know, stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, um, outside of, like, whose line is it anyway? uh, But then we got... In like mid, late high school um, and in college and then, you know, through today, we got extremely into college humor. I think first through um, Streeter's Phantom of the Office um, (laughs) catches and then Jake and Amir were a huge that was like the big sticking point for jeff and i that really pulled us into college humor Um, but now so you have you've continued on and we've continued on following you through um, now to drop out working with an incredible group of improvisers there Um, some crossover
1: between the two groups as well yeah you know
0: yeah yeah so what kind of marrying both of those with your love for the genre, love for horror and um all of this talent when it comes to comedy and improv. Um and you know people have talked about the connection between I mean Jordan Peele has talked about this at length. Um you know that jump from comedy to horror. But what is it about horror comedy that really like appeals to you?
2: Oh man, I mean, it's uh tension and release, but with laughter, it's uh It's the constant subversion of expectations, um, uh, a skewering of, you know, in social commentary. Um, We get to rake characters like, you know, Bruce. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. Woodvon is not a horror comedy, but you get to rake characters over the coals. Let's look at like Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss's characters. Yes. Us, for example, a privileged couple going to the beach. You get to make fun of them and then turn them into – villains um you know with barbarian you get to comment on like um i don't know uh, uh family abuse um and incest but you get to you know I- expose that through a new movie monster um mm-hmm. there's so much to be said about it and i think i I just just speaking as someone who's like in in comedy making horror stuff or at least striving for that you know craiger status sort of thing yeah there's a uh there's an ability that, you know, comics have or people who work in comedy, at least to like hold up the mirror to social issues. Right. Um, and uh, and mock them um, and exploit them and uh, raise up their voices, even make them the hero. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I I just I I'm I want to be a part of it and and keep. Challenging myself to make stuff funnier and scarier, like how funny can I make something um, that is also scary. It's the ultimate date night group of buds hangout kind of experience is it's why they're calling it the bulletproof genre, especially right now, especially coming out of like the Ari Aster kind of cloud of, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, bleak horrors, but. You, yeah, I think you Trump can pretty
0: era. comfortably say bleak horror. Uh, Hereditary is one of my favorite horror movies. And it Same. is just Same. so like it's earth shattering, just how bleak and depressing yes. the entire movie is. It's a good yes. time to have it, a
1: bad time. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It, it That's a beautifully, beautifully put. It's a good time to have a bad time. I, it truly is. But, I, but right now, and that was, you remember, you know, this was like the heart of the Trump era. And we are we are all dying for, um, you know, some something that makes us feel right. I think mm-hmm. that w- that was what that era sort of sort of felt like. Um, uh, and now I think coming out of all of that awful shit, um, we are uh, we're eager to have fun again. We yeah. we want we want fun hard. We want Freddy Krueger again. I think yeah. And not like not Jackie Haley, Freddy Krueger. We want we want our Robert England. We want our <laughs> uh, our uh, our shit talker. Oh um, yeah. And and all that good stuff. We want, One of, we want Megans, we want all that shit.
0: And and I need to I need to go see Megan. Um I was actually about to shout out Akilah Cooper's previous work, um, talking about fun horror. I have been stuck. I've I've been on the hill, like dying on the hill for Malignant since release. It's one of my favorite movies oh, out of the past so five years. Yeah, it's such a fun movie for a while. Um, you know, currently Twitter handle is Manhunter is good. Um, one of my favorite Michael Manflicks, but for a while I did change it to Malignant is good. So everyone knew exactly where I stood when everybody was debating is this a good movie? Yes, it is. Malignant's it is great, incredible. Yeah. Good on yeah, it is.
2: It's amazing. Akilah Cooper is like my new hero. Like how 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 dope is it? Also, just like not just any writer, but a black woman has made two of the I think biggest most fun horror hits um, with either Jalo or say Chucky esque background Mm -hmm. um, that turned into campy fun escapist horror. I think that's I think that's just super dope and i hope that more filmmakers emerge not just writers but i hope more filmmakers emerge yeah. you know like akila you it's, know it's go ahead jeff
1: i was going to go in a different direction i was just going to say you know josh we were talking about um scare me and horror comedy and things like that i had to tell you um so my wife and i both both love horror um she would probably say she's more into the horror comedy genre so anytime i can find something that is a good mesh of something that we both like she loves scare me like it's a multiple (laughs) yeah a multiple rewatch in our house um and i think she has really enjoyed like something we talked about earlier where scare me has so many of the elements and was obviously influenced by um like me too and, and things like that and so i just wanted to give a quick shout out that was one of her favorites not only for just how the film was constructed but the ideas in it and how it kind of fit in with the horror comedy was a big hit in Mm -hmm. our household for sure
2: Oh, i'm so i'm so stoked i mean that's yeah well that one's that one's my baby like i think that's also why you know for anyone listening wondering like any advice for whatever first-time filmmaker how to break in or what to write that was i'd written Several screenplays before scare me, none of which had gotten made, you know, and I think in retrospect, I was kind of writing cool. I was like writing for gimmick. I I was barely angry, angry when writing and I, and I wrote scare me angry. And I think that's why it got made as quickly as it did. It was that perfect storm of socially relevant and, um, uh, i don't know wanting to kind of without making something preachy writing wanting to say something about our kind of state of the world and with everything mm-hmm. that's on about me too i thought well wouldn't it be interesting without making a me too film would it be interesting to make something about you know um, an emasculated an emasculated man and um and you know how how dangerous an emasculated man can be in the face yeah. of a genius. And, um, and I think, uh, I think it's going to have a long life because I wrote angry and you don't need to, you don't need to write about some, something necessarily that culturally say bleak or squirmy to, for a film to have a long life. In fact, you don't need to necessarily have a message, um, quite as on the nose, um, or about, you know, a certain type of person to that degree. But if you are writing passionately, just period, if you really can see those people in your head you writing about you know um an experience and putting yourself in those person's shoes like your your film's probably going to get made because that instantly separates a, a a good project from a shitty one
0: yeah that's i mean that's such a great advice like as um at at risk of sounding like fred like as somebody who has started <laughs> like writing a couple <laughs> projects and uh, you yeah, know like- wrote like a chapter and never really got anywhere with it it's it's like that that element of like anger, passion, whatever it is, this like driving, not necessarily a message, but the driving, what is the feeling behind
2: all this? So that's such yeah. a good takeaway for just creation in general. You don't need to write to tone. You don't need to write to theme, whatever the fuck those things are. Mm-hmm. You just need to be super passionate about the story that you're telling. You have to see it in your head. And, and, you know, there has to be a drive there. Um, And that's why, you know, the easiest thing to do, most people often will say with a writing exercise is like, write about something that happened to you, write about, write about the story of, you know, when your parents got caught in that storm and how they fell in love, you know, before they were together or whatever the fuck it is and turn that into a play or turn that into a movie. And like, you'll notice that just inherently there is a natural structure that occurs, and that's not to knock anyone that you know um, mm-hmm. abides by or writes to structure. I, I am kind of a monkey with a typewriter. I typically tend to just sort of start writing, and then um, I go back and correct in a big way. But I'm a big believer in the barf draft. Scare me, basically. You know, I, I credit immensely the book "Like Brothers," um, written by Mark Duplass and J. Oh, it's a great book. Oh man, it's such yeah. a great book, and it's yeah. so inspiring. They're just like, yeah, go make something. Like, go make something. It can be small. It can be big. Um, it's a privileged thing to say and do, but like everybody has an iPhone. You truly can do I know it's like an eye rolly thing to be like, make a thing on the iPhone, but they, they really do make it accessible. And even if it isn't just about, you know, necessarily about making a product they're what they're saying is don't be afraid to just make a thing. Like, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to you know.
1: That's beautiful. You know and I mean, I'm not trying to smoke, smoke up your ass again, but I, I do. I, I think that's, it's very encouraging for I mean, those of us who are our are, are baby creators, you know what I mean? Like this is mm-hmm. our this is our hobby podcast that we're doing on the <laughs> on the uh, weekends kind of thing. And so uh, I I love that idea of of just trying. Um, we have a very meager following, but we just decided one day we're like, let's just try it. And even if it sucks, yeah, we'll, like, just, we'll just we have like talking and... about. Yeah.
0: movies. Yeah, Let's just talk about movies, man.
2: Yeah, exactly who knows what it'll turn into maybe alamo draft house to reach out and say uh come do a live one you know yeah
0: exactly maybe um, you're gonna have... interview
1: josh rubin yeah
2: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> uh, right. we have an incredible horror podcast in kansas city um called uh, nightmare junkhead and they have done um they we have a local theater Screenland armor puts on a horror festival um every year panic fest Um, That started to really pull in some pretty significant um, first showings, first screenings, and they've done live shows. They've um, done interviews with all kinds of people. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, they did a really fantastic interview a while back at a con with Gigi Saul Guerrero. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really cool to see like where. You know, where just like having a passion for even just talking about yeah. movies can go. Um, and definitely that was not a plug to try and get you to come to Panic Fest some year. Um, next project you yeah, have I when totally you're uh, when you're screening Darkman for the first time, would love Hell to have yeah. you premiered in Kansas City. <laughs> Hell
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: Dream. And I wanted to I wanted to jump to that. So what about Dark Man? Because we've talked about the Raimi DNA everywhere, like your your passion for just that style of filmmaking. What is it about Darkman that makes it
2: like your dream project? There's so much. I mean, where do I begin? Um, I'll start with I'll start with uh, what I'll say is Raimi's love of it, or his or his original intention, and that is he was inspired by the movie Monsters of It All. So there's like the the basically the horror and the heart element. Um Take Frankenstein, for, for example, there's sure. there's the the horror piece of Frankenstein and there's there's the heart. There's the Frankenstein and the, and the, the little girl or a longing for love, a longing for connection, mm-hmm. but a, um, a stopping of oneself um, because <clears throat> they're hideous or because they're not deserving of love on the um, far less sentimental end of that. It's scary, Batman. I mean, yes. Darkman <laughs> is—he looks like it's everything I love about genre film, uh, uh scary movies. He looks like Freddy Krueger, and he fights like Batman. Um, and we don't, we we just we don't have any horror heroes. We we who no. do we have? We have Hellboy, um, and yeah. we've had two Hellboys, and you know we that's that's <laughs> rad, but um, we we need more horror heroes. I think that's such a, that's such an exciting thing. You know, Morbius didn't work out. Um, yeah. There's something just super, <laughs> super cool about what Raimi had. Um, Raimi had Liam Neeson do, which is essentially he's playing a man who, who went mad to the point of, of comically hysterical, um, but still has the the strength and endurance of someone who actually could kick Batman's ass. Um, and that's, uh, I don't know. There's, there's just so many levels of, of, of appealing to that to me. It's, you know he was inspired by phantom of the opera and batman and you know and then and then on top of that you just have like simply the aesthetic of the 3d printer creating masks and yes the ability to stock your um to stock your your uh, your your villains as their own sort of henchmen i mean that is like that's completely genius well,
0: and oh, yeah. then doing uh, the built-in timer as well is such yeah. a good mechanic for just th- pushing that narrative forward.
2: That's right. The clock, you know, as they call it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Totally. If you, if you got to take your, if you did your take on Darkman, would you want to do like a reboot? Would you want to do like a spiritual sequel? Like, have you thought about like the mechanics of what you would want to do with the story? Or are you well, playing that pretty close to the vest?
2: Uh, slightly close. I mean, I, I will sure. say like, you know, Liam Neeson is public. I think because I've fucking tweeted about it so much. Um, <laughs> pe- people tr- truly do think that like Josh Rubin is, is making the next dark man, which, which I'm not gonna, I won't deny ever, even though it's totally not happening. Um, <laughs> not yet. Uh, Liam Neeson went on the record to say like, if the script is good, I would return to the part. And like you, you have a 60 something year old acting legend who is saying that's what he will do. That would be, then you have to take advantage of that. And I'll just kind of, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Like that's, (laughs) you can't, you can't not have the dude come back. Totally. Like, yes, I'm down. Absolutely. That would be
0: that just an incredible continuation of it. Um, I was just thinking uh, my first experience watching Dark Man, because we did a uh, Ramy episode for the podcast. Um, so we dove into we did uh, Evil Dead 2, Darkman and Spider-Man 2, because uh, yeah. Riley, our other host, lifelong Spider-Man fan, um, yeah. fell in love with it with the first Ramy movie. Uh, but, you know, throughout watching it, I'm like, I'm, ha- I'm having a great time. But, you know, where's where's bruce like come on and i felt (laughs) so silly at the end when i'm like of course when they like they just drop bruce in as (laughs) a cameo after it's so so perfect i'm so so glad they did that
2: yeah he actually did i think some of nissan's adr um famously um, oh wow which is i don't think i need that pretty rad yeah super super cool um and it was just it was a it was a hell of shoot. I mean, just the story of that. There was even even like a recent article. I think it was like the history of Darkman, um, just talking about what a what a bad shoot it was and a shitty experience Rob Tappert and Ramy had with the studio and everything. But I, I think, you know, I, I had when I was on Twitter, I had one of my uh, one of my last tweets was something after I'd seen Malignant. I was like, I said something to the effect of, you know, Malignant paves the way to a dark man. and I, I say that yes. because there is a there is a tone. And there's a clearly an appetite there for, you know, a, a bit of bonkers and a bit of bonkers with violence. Um, um, and I think Dark Man can get away with both of those things while then only grounding the film in the romance and the heart of it all. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I think, I think it could be really, really rad. It would just, it would be my white whale if I could play, play (laughs) in that world. Um, so, uh, yeah, here's, here's hoping, you know.
0: Now just picturing um, you calling it your white whale, uh, the <laughs> yeah. the making of documentary of Josh Rubin's Dark Man opens with a scene that's an homage to the cut scene from Jaws, where Quint <laughs> is watching Moby Dick and laughing in the theater, and it's just you watching the original Dark Man.
2: <laughs> wow, was that a cut scene from Jaws?
0: Yeah, yeah, they um no. that was how Quint was supposed to be introduced um, instead that's of incredible. at the town hall meeting.
2: That is incredible yes wow dope i know we
0: yes you have to um we've we've talked at length and i know um you know we want to value your time but we have a few other questions non-related to kind of your work just kind of things that you are into um so we've got four questions here so one best non-josh rubin horror film
2: you've seen this year Oh man, well technically this year it was um Oh it, yeah, it is, I guess uh, sick. Uh oh, wow. So uh sick Kevin Williams and Sick is so good. Um okay. I I it's coming to Peacock. I'm a little annoyed they're like debuting it on Peacock. I think it's like it's absolutely worthy of a um of a of a theatrical, but it is yeah. a really awesome slasher. Uh written by the man himself and so when it when it drops on peacock i think it's like any day now maybe by the time this comes out you guys got to check it out it's it's so good it's so good we we love
0: kevin williamson's stuff that's right up our alley so definitely going to check that out uh and then what is your favorite horror comedy
2: oh man oh god i feel like it changes every day i mean technically oh god that's tough it's some it's hard. Point, it's a hard question. Man, you the ringer here at the end. You know what? Well, I'll, I'll say this: It took me, unfortunately, it took me years, criminally years, to see American Werewolf in London. Uh, American Werewolf same. In London Is an example of legitimately funny and genuinely scary. If I could have a company motto, that would be it. Um, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe how ahead of its time it was. Yeah, there's some problematic shit in it, but like, um, I could not believe how legitimately funny i mean like like yeah. like frank oz's voice al- alone <laughs> that he let you know the, the frank just kind of do his thing um i thought was just so funny uh, uh, the the violence was weirdly mm-hmm. you know equally intense and hysterical and it's well, uh, and just it's-
0: the corpse the ghost of his friend, the entire time decaying over the length of the, uh, Oh my God. The Griffin movie Dunne playing a rotting
2: ghoul, best friend, like, and, and, so good. and also just that mythology, the mythology that like, you know, if, if, if that's how you, if that's how you're killed by a werewolf that, or that the werewolf is haunted by their victim. I mean, I don't know. It just, I, 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 I just think that's, that's so, it was just so far ahead of its time. Um, it is. I don't know. What about you guys? It's a great pick. Oh. Man, I did not
0: expect it to turn back around on me. Um I it's it's the cliche answer, but really Evil Dead 2 is yeah, probably my favorite. Just cuz like that that splat stick is it's so perfect. It's
2: genius, yeah.
0: Um Drag Me to Hell as well, really. I mean, people might argue not horror comedy, I still feel like it's within that same, you know, that splat stick umbrella mm-hmm. that it's close enough to comedy in the way it's structured but yeah evil dead 2 i think uh, my first horror movie was Shaun of the dead um so like that really opened up the world for me um and tucker and dale love tucker and dale
2: i you need to pick, tucker f- and dale, pick
1: four answers ty <laughs> I,
2: I know Dude, I, it's a multiple no, choice this, question this is good because like i i these are these are movies that i that i need i I need to see too so i uh i like i i have well i've seen evil dead but i i get to hear uh i get to hear some movies or you know basically recommendations essentially um like i i still have not seen criminally have not seen tucker and dale so that's incredible it's up
1: your alley i think you'd really like it yeah
2: yeah i i i believe it i believe it i'm gonna
1: i'd say my my answer to that question is like, I think I have an easy or a, a lame answer as well, but it's, it's probably a scream. Um, yeah. I think it's just so, oh, sure, it's dude, so hard that. to top. Um, my recent answer would be, um, ready or not has been another one that we just watched over and over at our house. That's one of our absolute yeah, favorites. That's it's genius. mean, it's hilarious.
2: It's, it's, that's one of our favorites it's genius it's it's really really good that was i remember that was like one of the trailers i saw where i was just like i have to go with a group of my friends and see this it was one of the few where i was like oh i i have i have to go see this the the trailer was so effective and yeah radio silence rules those guys are just like so genuinely wonderful Mm -hmm.
0: awesome they had they their um their vhs segments have all been really good as well it's been yeah. good to have them involved in that franchise yeah um, I, 94 i loved
2: 94 that's right i i need to i think 90 was 94 the one that wasn't the one with like the gargoyle woman in the hotel room was it
0: no that was the original yeah that that was the original, yeah. yeah
2: yeah that one was pretty incredible okay so and that was brockner's segment oh so good yeah. so good
0: we we love Bruckner here on the show too. Um, the Ritual is one of Jeff's favorite movies. Brilliant. Um, I I love The Ritual. I loved the new Hellraiser so much. Thought it was incredible. Um, third question we have: uh, Mount Rushmore of
2: horror actors. I mean, Tony Colette now now and forever. Um, yes, I'd say, and I and I can call her mount rushmore of horror actors because she was in krampus so she's done two actually three with six three Sense. signs that's true yes oh right they're uh, not uh, signs six cents i, yeah. <laughs> I confuse those yeah i mean the, I S, it the S me. yeah. <laughs> yeah totally yeah no she she's she's rad god who else i mean you know like you can't can't not say robert england he's not only mm-hmm. done uh what he's done with Freddie, but to show up in the Mangler and then Stranger Things, and I mean, I don't want to cop out with you know something like Stranger Things as, as recent as it is, but he's just, just him kind of the staying 9, power. 7, 6 eel um, nine seven six evil, yeah, completely the staying power. The fact that he's just still so in it. lynn Shay with Insidious alone, like yes, so dope.
1: Great picks, great picks. Yeah. I A think we have. Women. Yeah, I think we have one yeah. final question for you and then we'll yeah. we've taken up so much yeah. of your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah. We uh-huh. we're reaching back into the bag a little bit. Do you have a favorite college humor sketch that you were either a part of or I know you directed almost all of them, so that's a huge catalog <laughs> to pick from, but Not do you have one that you them, go back no. to?
2: Um one I haven't watched in forever. It's actually an easy one. Um I haven't watched it in ages but I loved it was one of my best, most favorite days on set it was, it was called Tweedle juice. And it was pretty much exactly as it sounds. It was me playing Beetlejuice juice on, uh, on a wire, like being suspended midair um, in the, Beetlejuice like Graveyard Model set with an Alec Baldwin Gina Davis basically look alike. Ben Rogers was one of the the actors. I forget the actress's name. Um like legitimately so fun. I got to just do like my best Michael Keaton and this is so long ago <laughs> that I I remember not knowing what Twitter was. I was making all of these references to like I don't know Ashton Kutcher's tweets or something and stuff like that. I, I had no idea what I was even saying, but I I just was in heaven because I was like, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a fucking Beetlejuice sketch. So it was called Tweedle Juice. Tweedle Juice. And okay. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Yeah.
1: That's incredible. We'll we'll link it out. We we are we'll post on Twitter. I know which you have graciously left, and we probably should as well. But <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll tweet out the link as well, so people can
2: see it. Rad. Yeah. I mean, who knows what problematic year 2000 uh, (laughs) humor will be in it, but um, I'm, uh, I'm excited for the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, we all grow. Yeah. We all grow. Comedy doesn't age well, but we, we all grow. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been like an incredible time talking to you. I've had so much fun. Um, Definitely hit us up next time you're releasing something because we'd love to have you
2: back on. Oh my gosh, yeah, it'd be it'd be a dream, guys. Awesome.
1: We appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for coming on today.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You all set with the recording, yeah?
1: Yep. We are good.
2: Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Have a good evening.